Welcome to the Life and Times of Captain Barney Miller podcast. I'm your host, Mike White. Joining me, of course, is the one and only, the rookie, Chris Dashew. I'm here for a good time. Can I blow up my own building, though? Hey, don't ship me off to Antarctica, or don't ship me off to the Arctic next. I hear I might not come back. Antarctica's right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Outpost 31. Outpost 31. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy's had a lot of roles over the years. He uh, was a sex cult guru for a little while there, too, and I... But he also was, he showed up when the, uh, was that the UFO episode he was on too? I think so. Yeah. I, uh, man, what a, what a wild career this guy has had from fighting the thing to being Marty McFly's brother. No, is he not Marty McFly's no, older brother? Not. Nope. Nope. Man, that guy looks the same then. Yeah. No, he, he's, uh, Jimmy Olsen in, uh, the Superman films, okay. the original Superman films, which yeah. I have never seen. Oh, Wow. Yeah, well, there you go, Father Malone. There's a new episode <laughs> yeah. for you. But I, but I was at least I was right about the thing because I was like, okay, this oh is yeah, the guy, this is the guy from the thing at least. Yeah, so. he's the guy with the best line of the thing. You got to be fucking kidding, kidding me. me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is, that is that is one of the better lines in a movie full of great lines. We are wrapping up the stellar sixth season of Barney Miller by talking about the last three episodes of the sixth season. The Architect, which ran March 27th, 1980. The Inventor from May 1st, 1980. And Fog from May 8th, 1980. I'm going to just say it right now. The Fog, or sorry, Fog. Great way to end the entire series if they wanted to. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Is is that, I mean... I, I know you you want to get there, but I do want to say just out in front, like it is weird that there is this moment now in the show, mm-hmm. and there's this, and the the way the way it ends is like I don't know this whole the way this season ends does feel a little bit def- oddly definitive. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna get that a lot when we talk about Columbo. Like each, well, there's a few seasons where it's like that could have been the end of Columbo. Right. Like there's even one where it's almost like he goes into the sunset kind of thing. And right. This right. Isn't as dramatic as that, but it definitely has some overtones. Yeah. Well, and you know, for, and you kind of already mentioned it, like for as good as this season has been, which I think for me, this may be the best season of the show that we've seen. Like it's, everything has really been great. If not really great. I mean, there have been a couple duds there, but there hasn't been a Wojo's girl level of dud. Uh, but for I, I think for me, yeah, like, would I have been upset if this was our final episode of this show? Obviously, because I would like to keep talking with you about Barney Miller. But yeah, like these three episodes together make kind of a pretty tidy little bundle if you wanted to just be like, and that's it, folks. So, but uh, the architect is a weird one, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, especially because... It starts off with something very important that you kind of just don't even pay attention to, or at least I didn't. I mean, when we start the episode, we've got Barney coming out of his office, and it is only Levitt there, and there's a guy already in the cage. So we don't, we haven't seen the arrest of him. We just kind of get the aftermath and like, oh, I'm going to run this guy to the down to the tombs, and then later on, when two other guys bust in and they're just like, we're here to take so and so, I'm like. Oh, oh, that was the guy from the beginning of the, you know, this episode's only 25 minutes, 25 seconds long, but yet I'm like, oh, oh, all right. Yeah. I got you now. Right. Um, these gunmen are interesting. Um, I mean, we kind of have like the ethnic stereotype of uh Choo Choo in here, <laughs> but 
Paul, Paul Lieber. Lieber, baby, again, yeah. again, 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 again. And he's going to come back three more times in the next season. He's going to come back, though, as a cop. He will be Sergeant Eric Dorsey, so detective wait, sergeant. I really thought he'd been in this show already. No, this is actually his first time. That's wild, because there was a, there was another episode. similar. Okay, yeah. okay. Because, I mean, the thing I know Paul Lieber from is he was in an episode of The X-Files where he played, like, um... He played Micah Hoffman, which was supposed to be like a thinly veiled version of, um, correct me if I'm wrong, the pro, like the kind of like social rights protester, Abby Hoffman. Oh, like, right, right. And it's, it's, but like he dies and then he like comes back to life. And it's very, it's very weird. But for whatever reason, he made an impression. I mean, that episode also has Gary Shandling in it of all people. So, you know, but. Yeah, like when I saw him, I was like, I could have swore he was in another episode of this show, but I guess it must have just been someone else who looked like him. Yeah, he almost looks like the homeless guy that we talked about last episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, okay. He's got a little bit of that vibe. Almost the same voice, though, I would say. Yeah, I love his hair, though. Oh, yeah. His <laughs> hair just, is awesome. When, they, when those two dudes walk in, I was like, what the fuck is... Oh, okay. They've got yeah. guns now. Got it. Yeah, it's Which so is... weird. Let's... Not the first time we've seen this. I think that goes all the way back to the pilot where we have somebody busting in with a gun or whatever. Yeah, wasn't the last time someone had a gun, wasn't it um, Don Kalfa? Yeah, that's what yeah. I thought. Hangdog Don Kalfa. Yeah. Uh, I was I was kind of taken aback. They were like the first thing in the episode. Like, wait a second. Oh, right. Like you said, we didn't even see it. Like it, it just kind of existed. It is en media res, which is kind of odd for this show like most of the time we're seeing those people being brought in we're seeing the part of the gag is the booking and we don't see any of that here so i guess i should have known that there was going to be more to it because they don't give it any fanfare but yeah when those two dudes walk in i was like what is going on oh okay they've got guns got it well and especially they keep keeping that guy who's in the cage in the frame when you have that long exchange between wojo and barney about wojo why he's late while well, he went to church <laughs> and went he was to praying. church yeah yeah I, he I was recently, praying see i recently had an employee who called me up on a sunday night and he's just like oh i can't make it uh to work tomorrow i'm having car troubles and i'm like okay and then the next day for whatever reason or two days later because he came in on a tuesday he goes uh i have to tell you the truth i lied to you i was actually too drunk to drive home so i stayed in like East Lansing or whatever. And I'm like, why do you feel the need to tell me that you lied? Because now I'm just going to distrust everything that you say. Ow. Yeah, dude. What the fuck? Yeah, that was a bad move, man. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't get I don't get what Wojo's doing because I don't think Barney believes him. Like the longer the lie goes, the less I'm going to believe you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was praying, and oh, the, oh, help the old lady with her tired. Oh, I saved a kitten from a tree. It's like okay, super cop. Whatever yeah. you say. Yeah. Hi. Wojohowicz has been a weird character this season, but not a bad one. But no. he like he hasn't had the character growth this season. He's more or less like returned back to center. I, I feel like the character that we've seen, as this is the final time we're talking about the sixth season, I would say the character that's gone through the most transformative growth might be Harris. I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, he's had the book come out this season. You know, he's having all these tax troubles. He's aired his shit with Barney, like out in front of everybody. And he's still sticking to it. Yeah. Like, is it this episode or the? It is this episode where he's like, what do you want me to get you? <laughs> I mean, Jackson. Jackson all is like, what are those? 
what are the thing with the turquoise and the abolo? And he's like, oh God. And he like walks out and he like makes the face. And it's one of those things where if it were real life, you would turn around and make the face. And as you're walking out of the room, but Harris does it and Barney sees him do it. Yes. Which like, I don't think would have happened a season ago, but now they're kind of like, I wouldn't say they have like a friendly rivalry, but I don't think they're seeing eye to eye anymore, but that is okay. You just don't see eye to eye with everybody you work with. You don't have to be fucking simpatico with everybody. It's not a requirement. This episode has a lot of stuff going on. We've got the whole thing that we've already alluded to with the two gunmen coming in and wanting to take back their boy. Then we've got this insurance agent that comes in um, who's trying to sell insurance to Wojohowicz, but yet he's also trying to sell insurance to everybody else. We have the repercussions of Dietrich being stuck in the office, and he's just angry about that. I love how he's like, it almost feels like I'm being punished. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> and you know what? I like that that's a holdover from the last episode. Last yeah. two episodes, I guess. And then we've got, yeah, David Clennon coming in here as what Howard Spear, who I think is a reference to Albert Spear, who was uh, Hitler's architect. And yeah. this guy. Also, I would say that the Howard probably comes from uh, Atlas Shrugged. I'm trying to remember some some Ayn Rand fan. Well, they make Hopefully it. We- they make a joke in the episode about Ayn Rand, that's right? That's right. That's the Fountainhead. Right. They're, they're, they're talking about the Fountainhead, right? Oh, that's right. It's the Fountainhead. Yeah. That's right. It's I John have... Galt who's in um, Howard Rourke is the one from the Fountainhead. That's Guess right. what? I've never read any of any Ayn Rand. I've read Anthem, um, and that was good. And it's also super short. And then two really obnoxious people that I went to high school with both read The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged, and they were completely insufferable human beings. And the whole idea of insufferable people reading Ayn Rand seems to hold true like throughout everybody that I've ever talked with. I was about to say, I have not read, I like I said, I've not read either. So does that make me less of a toxic man? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, like, oh, yes. well, that's the thing. Like, I, I, yeah, to your point, like I've never heard, I have not heard now as an adult anyone speak glowingly about the people that speak glowingly about Ayn Rand. It's oh, like, yeah. again, I'm not going to point fingers and name names, but certain people's names and faces and high heeled boots come to mind when we talk about the kind of people that I assume are like, Oh yeah, I love Ayn Rand pronouncing like, oh whatever, you fucking neocon turd. Like yeah. fine. Like I don't know. It's not it's not for me. I've never it's never motivated me to to get involved. So Howard Spear is very angry because his plans, he's an architect, he's the titular architect, his plans have been changed and he does not like the way that his building is. So eventually what comes out way later in the episode after he's asking everybody what time it is incessantly incessantly, yeah and i'm glad that wojo finally picks up on it and is like uh hey there's something going on out here and we find out that he has planted bombs in his own building (laughs) which hey the optics of that are really something aren't they in new york city yikes Oh, I yeah. mean, look, obviously, oh, yeah. this is, you know, 1980, so nobody knew 21 years later, but it was pretty wild that it's just like, oh, and look, a building's just going to blow up. <laughs> like, it's just building just, <laughs> and they never, you never get the sense of how big the building is, but we know right. that they're not on the first floor. And you can see, because here's the biggest, rev- can I point out what the biggest revelation in this episode was for me? We are in the view of a window. 
as right. the audience. I yes. did not realize that. I don't, I don't actually, I don't think that they've ever made note of it before. Correct me if I'm wrong, dear listener, fan of Barney Miller. But in that moment where they're like watching out, they're staring at the camera. So that would imply through the sightlines that there's a window. So I, I guess it's just a, a bay of windows. And that's what we're meant to be- understand is where we have been this whole time is when they're looking out towards us, they're just looking out towards the city, I guess. Yeah. And I want to say that the lighting is even a little different in this episode where it feels like it's sunset. It's um, like being lit from where we are a little bit. Right. More. Yeah. It's it's bizarre. Was it this season or last season where I think it was this season where we had the bathroom became a place right. that we finally saw. Like it's weird this season we've seen a little bit more of the pre of of this part of the precinct more than we ever have. It's kind of odd. Like I, I was surprised when they looked straight at the camera. I was like, oh my God, there's a window here. Like They're I never thought of us. Yeah. Through us. They can see <laughs> us. But it was just bizarre because I, I guess I had never thought about what it is they're looking at. Because again, because it's a TV show, because it is the show that it is, it's just three walls. It's not four. So yeah, it's a little it's a little odd for it to be, oh, there's a window there. They can see the city and they can see this building exploding. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Wojohowicz just describing how 9-11 happened is also bizarre. I just stood there and watched as it fell. I was like, oh, right. God, what? That, yeah, that was <laughs> chilling for me too. Okay, like, I'm glad it wasn't just yeah. me. Like, no, I was like, oh, so you're a first responder, Warjo. Okay, mm-hmm, all right, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry, it was actually Dietrich that picked up on it. Um, the whole time thing, so it wasn't Wojo. Dietrich Wojo, giving a backseat to the in this episode as well. Yeah, but Wojo is the more heroic one since he's still on duty and is able to run over to the building. It sounds like several times, and then poor Harris is desperate to go on his skiing trip and just keeps getting delayed over and over and over again, which is kind of nice. I'd like to see a flustered Harris. <laughs> yeah, well, and again, like as much as I like his character, like he's a dick, so he deserve like he's gonna get he's gonna get shit thrown his way because that's oh, yeah. what happens to characters like that in TV shows. So. Yeah, I he he plays. I mean, I think I've said this before. He plays harried really well. Uh, Ron Glass does, but I mean, he's just everybody has such a big personality. But yeah, I uh, I think it's interesting how big of a backseat Dietrich takes in this episode. But it makes sense given that the last two episodes were like Dietrich all day, oh, yeah. every day. Like name of the episode. Yeah, li- yeah, literally. Uh, I, I did. Uh, I did really like Norman Bartold as uh, Bob Schuler, the insurance agent. Please, he was good. Uh, he please sign this, please. All right. Now, now, now be careful. <laughs> the look on Wojo's face when he just gives him like a little crooked smile before he signs that paper. Just like, yeah. Oh, I'm about to go throw myself into danger. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, you asked for it. You wanted me to sign, dude. Like, and here we go. I, yeah. I, I love that interaction. And then I love at the end where Barney's trying to get away and he's like, Mrs. Miller. And he looks at him. He's like, yeah. yeah. Hey, look, uh, Barbara Barry is getting mentioned. Yeah, surprise, surprise. (laughs) I was uh, really happy with how angry Barney gets at the the gunman. And just this like, you're going to have to wait. You're going (laughs) to... Yeah, Yeah, I don't know what their, like, their plan is really poorly thought out oh, obviously yeah. i like he's like there's like 200 cops downstairs <laughs> like, what is your plan here i'm like uh 
well, you know what? You made it far enough. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like how they're just like, okay, fine. You're right. Like we did make it far enough. So yeah, that those those two are are pretty good. And yeah, I I, I think it, it's a nice little mix up to have everything going on, and then these two dudes just kind of show up and take control of the situation. It uh, it did catch me off guard. I I I like this episode a fair amount. And yeah, the the thing with the blowing up of the building, I think where there's also like the where they don't think it's going to explode and like Barney right. walks away and he's like very funny and then boom it explodes and like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was nice and yeah the architect himself is almost that paranoid with proof type right. of person uh but really we get that so much in the inventor the following episode where we get to see i mean the movie the sorry the movie the episode pretty much opens with Barney coming out of his office again, but we're in that bolo tie, man. And I love when Harris walks in and he just rolls his eyes. <laughs> well, Dietrich's like, I'm not looking away because it's bad. It's because I'm getting a cup of coffee. But it is, oh my God, it's the most garish. I mean, look, Barney always dresses the same for the most part, but it is, oh, how Lyndon with that bolo tie on is yeah. just, it's, it's, He's a vision. <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's so garish with the B and the M on it. It's like, <laughs> of course. Oh. Um, and and Harris going, oh, I I I didn't think you'd wear it, and you did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I like that. That actually pays off. Like uh, again, not saying that another show wouldn't have, but all of a sudden the show is calling back to itself, which is not something it was really doing. I mean, again, when you right. have people. When you have actors playing different characters on your show, that more or less is like a tacit kind of agreement with the audience. Like, we're not going to hold people to being the same characters every time. I hope you understand that. Now it's like, oh, but there are going to be reoccurring things. There are going to be storylines that come back. There are going to be holdover things. And I, as a modern TV viewer, I appreciate it, but it was not something that, like, I think if the show had never done it, I wouldn't be disappointed that it didn't. It's just, ah, it's nice to see that there are some modern storytelling conventions that they are kind of hewing to. Right. I mean, we had a little bit of that in the earlier seasons, like, oh, you know, uh, Wentworth and Wojo got together in this episode and they'll have a relationship later on. But I feel like these this season in particular and a little bit of the last season really seems to cleave to that idea of this is one continuous story now obviously it's not like the mythology type of thing you know it's not uh, x-files we don't have the cigarette smoking man even though we do get to see some people just smoking in the office um in the uh the next episode in fog episode but yeah this whole idea of us maintaining a storyline it really feels like it's come to something with this sixth season yeah, and I feel like a lot of it, I mean, again, I mentioned Harris, like, I feel like a lot of it does come because of the Harris character, because of the blood on the badge, and, like, that being a thing that they keep referencing, because, yeah, I mean, if there was nothing to reference, there wouldn't seem like a progression of time, but yet, because Harris is, you know, dealing with other things in this episode, it's like, oh, that come from that, like, it's just, it keeps building on it, and yeah, it feels more like a cohesive narrative and less, like, just a sitcom the way it again not a problem but that is the way it felt early on in the you know first four seasons of the show at least right yeah to your point i mean we have the story of barney and his wife but we barely have touched on that and like that has vacillated wojo and dietrich don't seem to have these storylines they are very 
sympathetic characters. I mean, we talked so much about how Wojo has matured over the time, but he doesn't have like a central throughput. Like he had his oh, whole they thing. Tried. Of, well, <laughs> they, they tried. Well, they tried. They tried with the the girlfriend, but they they were trying also with the whole sergeant's exam, which kind of pays off in the fog episode. But here it's like. You know, we, we, he doesn't have something where he's working on something like his whole idea of coming in in the last episode and lying about church. It's like, well, that seems very out of character for Wojo. But at the same time, I don't know what's in character for Wojo. He's a good Polish Catholic boy. So it kind of makes sense that he would go to church, but we've never really heard about that. Plus it was kind of odd. I didn't realize that they were working on Sundays and it also feels like they're working in the evenings quite a bit now. Yeah. Uh, we didn't mention in the last episode, he goes, is, is it extra if I'm Polish <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> for the insurance? And not anymore. Not anymore. No. <laughs> not anymore. Uh, yeah. I, well, well, you know, and it's weird. Like for me, Wojo has always been like, I don't get his character in a lot of ways because at times the show feels like it wants him to have a character. Right. And then other times it's. It's not that he, it's content for him to not have a character, but it's more content to just let him be part of the gags. Like, I don't even know how to describe it because, like, yeah, the, the times they've tried to characterize him more than just part of the, you know, the other dudes in the precinct that aren't Barney at this point or Harris, like, that though, that Wojo's Girl episode is atrocious. Like, and I understand why they haven't done more since because... right. I wonder if that was it. Like, was it because of how bad that episode was received? Like, because they were trying to make Wojo his own thing, they just like backed off of it so hard. Because wasn't that wasn't that the thing? It was supposed to be like a Wojo spinoff, right? Right. Yeah, it was like the backdoor pilot for it. Right. So I that kind of is what it seems like for me. It's not that they've like given up on his character, but they've definitely like backed off him a little bit. But what's interesting is he's the focus of this entire episode, more or less, with. With the psychiatrist character, the hip, oh, hip, yeah. hypnotherapist, who is played by uh, Dan Fraser, who I just saw in Take the Money and Run, pretty much playing almost the exact same character. <laughs> Very similar, like, therapist, hypno hypnotist, psychiatrist character. He's got a great voice. I really liked him, and I liked his sense of humor in this. I thought that he was going to be some sort of stuck-up guy or be defending... Uh, you know, like when uh, James Cromwell came in, he was just like, what do you want from me? I'm a sketch artist. You know, quit, quit picking on me. I thought for sure this guy would be like, you know, this is a legitimate field. You know, people really think that hypnosis just makes people, you know, cluck like chickens, but there's really something to this. But instead, he's very calm and he just really gets ingratiated with Wojo pretty quickly. I really, I thought that was great. And I like how when he has Wojo focus on something that Wojo's focusing on that fucking tie. <laughs> I just, I, yeah, I like the idea that he doesn't hang a lantern on hip hypnosis. Like, cause we talked about, you know, the paranoids with proof and he could have been part of that weird, like equation. Cause like you mentioned the James Cromwell character, but no, I don't know. Like he's been, he, the Dan Fraser character, the character that he plays is one of the more interesting people to come into the precinct because he does just have like a natural chemistry with Wojo in a really, I don't know, refreshing way because most of the time Wojo's just rolling his eyes at the people that come into the precinct. They, you know, they tend to annoy him. Right. Well, yeah, you would think that he would be like, there's no way, Bard, I'm not going to go under, I'm not going to do this. And I thought for sure this right. whole episode is going to be him resisting doing mm. it. But, you know, by nine minutes in, he's starting to go under. And I was like, yeah. oh, 
that's great. I thought this was going to be, you know, don't try to turn me into a chicken bar. And I'm, I'm, you know, there's something in my past that makes me not want to do this because that feels very much like the Wojo way. And I have to call out Max Gale for just like he plays befuddled so well. After the inventor comes in, because they've been they've arrested this inventor who has created this battery that will never run out, and he's he is arrested for stealing his own blueprints back from the company that he worked or works for, and uh, we kind of do a dissolve, and Dietrich is looking at these plans, and Max Gale standing right next to him, and Gale just has this look on his face, like I really am trying to understand this, but I just can't grasp it meanwhile dietrich's like oh well this makes sense and he starts pointing out all this stuff of course he can read these blueprints like nobody's business you know with with dietrich's future life i wouldn't be surprised if he just memorized all this and actually created that battery later on or if he already has technology like that on his home planet (laughs) i'm just wondering if you were gonna say the home planet thing or not yeah, I wondered that too. He just like looked at that. He's like, these humans are coming along very quickly with their technology. <laughs> that whole thing of like, oh, there's a car that can run X number of miles on a single tank of gas. And I was like, well, don't forget about the car that runs on water. You know, it's like, again, it's, you know, you mentioned X-Files earlier. And it's like, this is the stuff that the lone gunman had. I think the first episode of the lone gunman was them getting the car that runs on water, I think. Yeah, that's right. Hey, talk about another show that had an like a a completely random 9-11 reference. Oh, yeah. Even more so than this one. That Wasn't that actually the Twin Towers in that show? Like, I think it was. Good yeah. Lord, yeah. I, I, I do find it interesting. Yeah, the Dietrich character... I mean, again, he's obviously such a, a such a fun part of the show. But yeah, they they really are leaning on him just being like the expert of everything to the point where I do want to ask this question because I feel like it, it hasn't been asked yet of the show. And maybe a more contemporary show would have asked it. If this guy's so fucking smart, why are you a cop? Right. <laughs> I think he's trying to ingratiate himself into human society myself. Okay. I mean, if that's I mean, that's my headcanon is like what's. What's a job where you could disappear like a cop, a firefighter, like public service? You could get away with like being weird because you have to have such a outward persona, like your internal persona can be so different. So, yeah, that was that's my always been my read on it. But again, if you don't go the alien explanation, what is the explanation? Right, right. Yeah, it's not the typical cop that I know anyway that goes to the Goethe Festival in Wyoming or whatever. They have a blast. I know, right? Can I also mention uh, how Lyndon's shirt just gets progressively more and more open the longer yes. the episode goes? <laughs> yeah, that that tie is really weighing him down. It keeps going down, and the shirt keeps opening up. Yeah, I was like, all right, where are we headed with this? Like, we got a little bit of we're showing a little bit of the chest hair. All right, this show's yeah. getting a little show's getting a little bit uh, more exciting than normal. It was funny. Like, it really like he shows up. He walks out and it's buttoned, and then like halfway through the episode, he's just full open shirt. And it's like, whoa, man. <laughs> I love when Wojo's under and he starts talking about that stupid tie and like, oh yeah, Harris got it for him as a joke, but he wore it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that this is essentially a callback to the last episode. Again, like you wouldn't, I mean, they mention it here that that's where he got it, but that was a plot point in the last episode. So yeah, they're, I, again, Kudos to everyone working on the show while Danny Arnold is not there for really stepping it up. 
I wonder if it's no Pitlick, if he brought that to the party or if it was just something that the writers kind of decided to do. But yeah, I love it. I love that we have this continuity now. Well, the, this episode and the last episode and the next episode were all written by Dungan, Stein, and Sheehan. So I, I've got to also assume it's it's a little bit of that. But I mean, this season, a lot of it has been written by the three of them or the two of them. Dungan and Stein, for the most part, and then a couple other people will show up, but their names are all over this season. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think also some of it is like they... These are the right people to be writing this show at this point in the show's run as well. It must be much more gratifying as an actor to be able to have that continuity, be able to build on what happened last week rather than just come in fresh, you know, tabula rasa every single week where it's like, all right, what's this adventure? Does my character get to do anything? Do I get to learn anything? Instead, with this now, it's like, yes, you do. You do get to have this progression. Right. I, I, I've got to believe, yes, similarly, like if I, if well, I know if I were doing this job professionally, that's what I would want someone to be cognizant of is like where this character has been. Because, I mean, you and I talk about a lot of TV, a lot of other TV, not just this. You can find all those shows at weirdingwaymedia.com. But like Kolchak as a character never really grew. Like I, I Richard had him. I know you're listening. But like Kolchak was a very static character in a lot of ways, like which is not a problem. Like, you know, that was not an expectation at the time, but that doesn't mean that wasn't the actor's expectation at the time. That just wasn't the expectation of the viewers, the writers, the producers. But I have got to believe if you're an actor on a television show that is running for seasons on end, even in the 50s, even in the 60s, even in the 70s, you would hope that the people writing for the show are taking note of what has already happened and not just doing the same things, not just having you run through the same character arcs. Like I've got to assume that maybe I'm wrong, but if I were an actor, that would be something I would personally appreciate. Oh yeah. Speaking of appreciated, I love when the inventor's boss or the person from his company shows up because he's played by Ben Piazza. I really didn't recognize from very much at all, except he's the guy that uh, Jake and Elwood are bothering at Shea Paul. He's the guy who's like, "Uh, sir, these men smell. They smell bad. (laughs) (laughs) I have not seen Blues Brothers in such a long time. Oh, yeah. He's the one that uh, Jake turns around and is just like, you're women. I want to buy your daughter. How much were your wives? Okay, okay. Gotcha. (laughs) Yeah, man, it's been, I want to say I haven't seen that movie since college. So like 10 plus years. I I, And I feel like, you know, obviously I'm a huge fan of Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi, but uh, I don't know. It's one of those ones that just like falls through the cracks of things when I'm looking for a comedy to watch. But I thought it was pretty funny here. I mean, again, given kind of a thankless role to just show up and be the stern dickhead, which like half of the episodes we've seen have one of these characters like come in and be like, I'm the one here whose day you've ruined is essentially what it is. Like I'm having to come and deal with you idiots. And it's like, I I like these kinds of characters in this show, but they are a dime a dozen. He makes it his own, but they really are a dime. I mean, we've seen these characters a lot just because of the way this show's setup tends tends to roll. You have a character who does something and then you have the character who comes in upset that they've done something. So, right. Right. Like the, what was the, there was the guy who was addicted to something 
and it was pretty unseemly. And they had like his support person come in and we had seen his support person on another episode. Yeah, what was it? Was mm. it, was it child pornography? Was it like it was, the sex? Was he like a, was he like an addict of like, like sex addiction or like flashing maybe. people or something? Oh, I think it was the flasher. Okay. Yeah. That's when it yeah. was. Yeah. 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 And that like, yeah, that's like one of the first roles that we saw with that. But yes, you're right. We've seen that role countless times. And I like how this guy is just like, well, okay, are you going to agree to this? You're going to agree to that. Oh, do you want to raise? Yeah, you, you're like, first off, you're fired, but we can hire you back if you just shut your mouth, basically. And we've seen that a bunch. Like this fits into that paranoid with proof perfectly. And the guy even has the proof with him and, you know, is verified by Dietrich. Like, oh yeah, it seems like this would work. By the alien himself. Yes. <laughs> the alien who quotes Shakespeare and Cookie Barn. Yes. So good. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah. The beginning of the fog episode where we've got this almost poetry off between Barney and Dietrich. <laughs> it's so nice. Yeah. yeah. And well, actually, it's it's Barney and it's uh no, I take it back. I take it Wojo. back. Wojo and Dietrich. Yeah, which is amazing because uh, Dietrich is, or sorry, uh, Wojo's quoting, I say quoting, he's talking about the fog coming in on the And it's haunches. On and it's haunches. Yeah. Mm. I'm trying to remember who said that. A little cat's feet is uh, Carol Sandberg. There we go. Okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then Dietrich just quotes Kooky Burns. <laughs> so I got smog in my noggin. What yes. is wrong? You know, he's the kind of person who I would laugh if I knew them, like, at my job. And then I would also turn to him and be like, what is fucking wrong with you? (laughs) But, like, I don't know. We all know somebody like that. And if you don't know somebody like that, you may be that person for someone else. Uh, Yeah, Dietrich is just, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird that it's Dietrich and Wojo of all the people. Like, Wojo quoting poetry. Little cat feet. It's a great phrase to hear come out of Max Gale's mouth, though. (laughs) And he, when um, Harris comes in and is just all chipper and everything, it's like Wojo's just like, hmm, what's going on? I like Wojo seems to be very in tune with everybody in this episode, especially when Barney's got some problems. Because like, he's the guy, Wojo, I think, is the guy talking about how Barney had his exam that he's supposed to move up and rank. And because I also think, going back to what I was talking about earlier, we had that whole story of Wojo not being able to make sergeant for a long time. So I think he really empathizes with Barney on this. Well, I was going to say, like, if any character is going to be the one that is going to acknowledge someone else not getting a promotion, I feel like it has to be Wojo, right? I mean, isn't this... Again, I don't know how this show ends, but I've got to assume this show is going to end with one of them, if not both of them, finally getting those goddamn promotion. And it's, you know, like, that's how they walk out, you know, and I'm... I'm sure that's what it is, because, again, like this is the kind of show where they've been teasing it so much that we're effectively in the end game of the show after this season. I mean, we have two more seasons, but it's only two more seasons. And you don't you don't do that storyline any other time other than the end of the final season at this point, because you would have done it by now, because then you would have done something else with it. Because like like they kind of did with uh, James Gregory's character with Luger, where they had him, you know, knocked down for a bit. But then he, you know, went back like they could have already done that with Barney or Wojo and they haven't. So now my assumption is the show's going to end with one of them, if not both of them, getting those promotions that have dogged them for, you know, essentially at this point, half of a decade by the show's end. It'll be almost a decade. I really like the people that they have in the cage in this episode, the uh, African-American gentleman with the horn. 
He seems like cooler than cool. I'm surprised that we didn't get, because he, what was it? He tacked another busker because they were on his street corner. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised we don't get them. I'm surprised the buskers don't come in and we have a whole war or anything, but it's very like off screen for them. He, he almost seems a little like an afterthought, but not too bad. And the, him playing the blues on that horn while uh, Barney's just experiencing the blues in his office with all the lights off, smoking cigarettes in there. It's really fitting, especially this idea that this thick, foggy night. I mean, they set the stage for this very well. Well, and it also seems like the fog has rolled into the precinct, like inside of it. Like maybe yeah. not literally, but just, I don't know. Yeah, there's a there's a weird vibe to this episode. But again, like it's the end of the sixth season. It's a little bit more serious. We do get to see some Barney character like changes in movement. I, I really like when Barney is the focus of the episode. Obviously, I'm not going to say it hasn't happened enough, but I think it's happened a lot up until this point. So they're not doing it as much because they don't have to, which is perfectly fine. But I like that we do go back to the idea that he's not promoted to deputy inspector, that that is clearly something that's weighing on him. And we get to get a moment with him to see what he actually feels because he doesn't get the promotion, which is a nice moment in this show. And it was so funny while I was watching it. He says at one point, he's like, well, back in the old days, it was me. And he names off three other cops. And I go, oh, shit, he sounds just like Luger. And then he goes, oh, I sound just like Luger. Yeah. <laughs> me and Brownie and oh, God. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> he just stares. He stares at the screen. And just God, you can hear Luger in the background. Brownie. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, I no like, Luger in any of these episodes uh, and barely I feel like he it. should have been here in this episode. If yeah. anywhere he should have been here to the aid, Bonnie, it's okay, Bonnie. It, you'll get through it. I got bumped down earlier this year, Bonnie. Like, could have seen that. But yeah, I was shocked. Yeah. And, you know, we talked a lot about the Paranoids last episode. And here we have another one played by one of the <laughs> best character actors, Sydney Lassick, who, you know, I, I you finally saw... Uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest this year. I, sh- it I was, year. uh, no, I was about to say, I finally sure did yeah. see one flew over the cuckoo's nest this year. So his presence m- is a lot differently received than it would have been six months ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, like he is totally Cheswick. I'm waiting for him to bust out about cigarettes, but instead, he's just screaming about microwaves and the phone company and that he's getting cooked with microwaves and that they're ruining everything. And I'm like, yeah, this sounds very similar to people that I talk to today. You know, this sounds like a 5G person. Yeah, he, for whatever reason, he plays crazy really, really, really well. Uh, He was actually in an episode of The X-Files where he plays, I want to say he plays, a. I want to say he plays a guy in prison, like, a, a, a guy like a, a psychiatric patient who can like who's autistic and he can like see the murders or something. And again, like, man, to be known for that one role, I guess, like, I, I don't know. Isn't that what it kind of feels like with, with Sidney Lassick? Like he kind of was always doing the thing from Cuckoo's Zest. <laughs> yeah, there were some times where he would show up in things like um, Cool as Ice or Deep Cover. He had a pretty good <laughs> cool uh, ice. Yeah, yeah, vanilla yeah. ice vehicle film. All right. That's correct. As soon as he walked down the street, I was like, oh, hey, it's Cheswick from Went for the Road the Cuckoo's Nest. But uh, he could be a little bit more calm, but when he's unhinged, he's at his top. 
I yeah. really like him unhinged. And he was in an episode last season. He was in Toys last season, the 12th episode. Uh, That's right. I thought he had been on here before. Yeah. No, he's he's really good. I mean, he's, I mean, yeah, like you said, he's great in everything I've seen him in, especially this show twice. So, yeah, I, I uh, but again, like for me, this is really like a, this is a Barney episode, which is a very welcome thing at this point in the show. Because, yeah, I mean, this has essentially been a thing that's been an issue since, like, season one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and even, you know, we talked about Paranoia's Approved. I forgot he comes in with a whole sheaf of uh, articles, and Barney is about to read them, but he's so upset about what's going on that he's just like, book this guy, would you? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I've never really seen uh, Barney get that flustered. That's right. amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, look, Hal Linden is obviously an amazing actor. Um, but yeah, like what he does in this episode is just, I don't know, like it, 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 it's a moment uh, that they break from the fun of the show. Right. With good reason, you know, and I like that it's not somebody's dead. There's a tragedy. Something is, something awful is happening outside the precinct that it's Barney really wanted this and he feels that he's been cheated. And I could kind of see that. And I also like that the guys say, well, it's probably our fault. You know, <laughs> which is really fucking fucked up. <laughs> I really like that though, where it's like, but it know, is pretty fucked up, right? It is, like, it is. Yeah, yeah. I like the th- I like the three of them on his couch and yes. him just like sitting at his desk, and he just goes, you know, it's it's getting harder and harder to find a sense of purpose around here. It's like, oh brother, I hear you. Like, god damn, yeah. That's I, again, like this show takes a a moment for itself, which it really, again, it's normally about the jokes and it's not that there aren't jokes in this episode, but Barney's character is not getting taken down a peg, but he's taking himself down a peg in this episode. Unnecessarily. Yeah. He's beating himself up pretty good. Yeah. But how Lyndon does it better than anybody else. I mean, he's just, he's, I don't know. He's such a fantastic actor. And just those like quiet moments where he's staring out the window and, you know, just those moments to himself that we, really don't see in a lot of other non-Barney specific episodes. A lot of the time he goes into his office and then he's in his office. Like, not that we don't go check in on it, but this time, like, we're checking in with him by himself. I love uh, some of these smaller moments, like when, um, I keep wanting to call him Cheswick, but when Cars, I guess his name is, Victor Cars, mm-hmm. when he's getting booked and Harris is like, oh, you can make your phone call and holds out the phone. And he's just like, no, put it away, put it away. Like, (laughs) just checking. Or when uh, Levitt gets a phone call later on, he's like, don't answer that. And Levitt just does this, like, points at the phone and shrugs his shoulders. It's like, sorry, I can't really do anything about this. (laughs) And and this is the episode with with Levitt's uh, jacket again, is it not? Oh, yeah, that jacket. pink jacket. (laughs) The pink jacket, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it's a bit much, man. <laughs> I love it, though. I mean, it's like the second or third time that we've seen it. It's a uh, yeah. I mean, hey, Ron Carey had a sense of style for a little for a little short guy. You know, yeah. I love a sense. Of, I mean, again, like I assume that the Levitt character doesn't know any like he doesn't know any better, but he doesn't look like a complete goon. But right. the jacket is a bit much, but nobody ever mentions it. Like nobody ever like points it out. You would think that Harris would say something, but I guess it isn't as out of style as the two of us are assuming it is. Oh, no, it's not. I mean, it it does remind me a little bit of like Herb Tarlick from WKRP in Cincinnati. But yeah, it was kind of the style, you know, also with wearing an onion on your belt, which was the style at the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> I am but, sad to see that we are not going to get to see the bolo anymore. I assume that the bolo yeah. is gone. No more bolo. The bolo is now it's probably buried. I hope I hope they were just like, Hal, you can keep the bolo prop. Like, take oh, it Oh, please. Take it over. Yeah. <laughs> With the BM on there. Yeah. Yeah. I am also surprised that Levitt doesn't empathize more with Barney and I, he tries to make an attempt. You know, he goes in he's just like, Hey, there's a break in on Houston. And Barney's like, so he's like, uh, I thought maybe we should put in an appearance, <laughs> right. but this, this whole thing of, uh, you know, cause Levitt is constantly being passed over for stuff. So all the uh, time, all the time. So I, almost wish that he wrote Barney's face in it. Yeah, it's weird that they don't, like, you mentioned it already, that Levitt is kind of like, he's here in this episode, but not really. Yeah, it, it was weird to me that he doesn't participate in any of this more. He's really there to, to foster more of the gags, but not relate to Barney. Because, yeah, like you said, like, again, there are two characters in the precinct that can really sympathize and empathize with Barney's plight. And I don't know, it's kind of surprising that it's Wojo, but not really. But given that Levitt hasn't been fleshed out as much as he could have been seems like a missed opportunity to give him and Barney kind of like a quiet moment in his office together be like well you know Barney I get passed over all the time and I'm still here and it's like what that's more than enough just to give like an idea that he's cognizant of his own situation and he he is able to be sympathetic for someone else even though it doesn't seem like anybody in the precinct is sympathetic towards his plight so maybe that's why. But if that is the case, like you said, then show us him being a fucking dick anyways. Like, if not now, when? If they're never going to do it, then I guess this is another opportunity that they didn't take. So I, I I like Levitt a lot in this season. I think this is definitely the season where I've come around the most on Levitt. But this moment here at the end of this season does feel like a pretty big missed opportunity to put kind of a cap on his character for the season and give him and Barney a moment to kind of commiserate which we really have not seen between the two of them and and i don't know if we'll ever get that moment but i i hope we do but this is this was a this was a chance to do it i love when the boss from the uh phone company shows up and uh he's just like the microwaves are totally safe and then Dietrich's like how long you had that twitch (laughs) (laughs) and he's like i've got this ringing in my head does anybody have any aspirin (laughs) the one character that i don't sticks out for this for me in this one and i almost like it it's the guy that levitt and bojo arrest fred bauer who was uh, breaking into a christian science reading room and was supposed to be breaking into i think it was a jewelry store right um and he just is there to make color commentary like he seems so outside of the episode that he's commenting on the episode while he's in it yeah, I mean, I would say J.J. Barry is like the perfect, like w- to say, where did they get this guy from central oh, casting? Like totally. he looks like a New Yorker of Oh, and he's got the voice. Yeah. 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 Uh, I was looking for my car. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, yeah, dude. Like, but the way he looks too, just like the way he walks in and his attitude, it's like this guy is just like, they just took a New Yorker off the street. Like that's oh, what yeah. it fe- that's what it feels like. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. It's all I almost kind of wish he was in a different episode because again, like it's it's not that this is a serious episode, but and it could have been. It almost he's there to undermine it. 
in it. Right. Like when Barney is yelling at him, like, take a seat. And it's like, whoa, whoa, hey, you know. And like he just takes that role of now I'm going to crack jokes about everything, which I was really okay with it. At first I was taking it back, but it was like, all right, this kind of works for me. Yeah, he's marveling the scenes. That's what he's doing. Taking all the piss out of those emotional moments, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. Between him and Lassic, because Lassic also when the boss comes in or the the phone company guy comes in and Harris goes, whoa, 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 hold the phone. <laughs> and Lassick's like, you're sick, you know that? <laughs> yeah, he, he, Sidney Lassick, I think, kind of steals the episode. Again, like, I kind I, I kind of wish all of the fun parts of this episode were in a different episode where we're not having to, like, contend with Barney. Oh, you being... want a very, a very special episode of Barney. Well, I, I don't I, but you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like they oh, yeah. set it, they set it up for it. I, I'm also really surprised that they didn't have him on the phone with uh, Liz at any point. Like, True. Yeah. right? Like, oh, Liz, I got passed over again. But if they remembered that Barbara Barry was in the show, it's only for a fleeting moment anyways. So <laughs> right. just to mention in the, the uh, was it the first or second one we talked about tonight? The yeah, first yeah. One. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's you still you still married, right, Barney? Yep, I think so. <laughs> that would be that should have been his response uh i will say uh also um props to the production design part of the show for putting some fog behind barney's window yeah, <laughs> i don't know yeah. if you noticed that or not i was yeah, like I oh sure the fog in the episode here it is like the one and only time i've ever seen anything behind is in this episode you know what's interesting you mentioned the whole thing about the window with the architect episode there's actually kind of a reference to that in this one because when Lassick and Harris are talking, he looks towards us, towards mm-hmm. that window, and is talking about, there's microwaves all through this whole city. And I'm like, he's looking out that window again. So that's so odd that we never got that until two episodes ago, as far as I know. And now we have it twice within this one episode of our podcast. Yeah, it's, again, like, it. it's not that the show needed it, but it's just like, it helps flesh out a really weird like thing that is like not a question I asked, but now it's like, oh, okay. Now it allows me to understand their space a little bit more, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the way, you know, you mentioned it at the top of the episode. And now that we're here, I think, I think it's time to have that conversation. Like, could this show really have ended on this note of what year is it? Shut up. <laughs> and then the show ends. Like, could it have ended on that? Like, I think if it had ended, I think if it had ended one scene earlier where it's Barney sitting at his desk in his office and just looking kind of distraught, I think that could have been like a a way to end the show without us, without, you know, our characters getting what they want, as it were. Well, there's that weird thing, too, where this episode ends with him, you know, standing there with all the guys and you've got the guy in the cage playing the horn. And then the credits come up and we're still with these guys. We don't end on a freeze frame. We don't fade to black until after we get all the primary credits. And then you got fucking Harris smoking a cigarette, listening to the blues. Yeah. Like it's yeah. It, it have, have we seen a credits overrunning footage in the show yet? We have, but it's been a while. I'm trying to remember what it was, but yeah, I remember when it happened before we definitely made a note of it, but you know, we, we, I think this is probably like our 40th episode or something. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a little while since we started this. This is our 40th episode, man. It's fucking crazy that we're done with the sixth season of this show, man. Yeah. Holy cow. I mean, we've, we've watched 126 episodes of this show, right? It's Effectively. Just, yeah. 
it's so solid. And, you know, we kind of talked about this before with the whole overarching stories segments now, but it just, it feels like this season was just firing on all cylinders. Like when you're talking about the three guys on the couch talking with Barney, and I'm just looking at the person who's not talking just to see how they are reacting to the person who is talking. These guys, they are a unit now. Mm-hmm. Like these four main characters, look out. Th- these guys are really, really good. And they just have that chemistry. And I'm so curious where we're going to go in the seventh season. Uh, bad hairdos. That oh. much I know. <laughs> okay. I watched, yeah, I watched a little bit of this, the first episode of the seventh season and all. I didn't like watch it. I was just... I watched it with the like the sound off, and all I could think was, "Oh my god, what happened to every single one of their hairdos?" Wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Oh boy, I don't know if you're prepared for what Max Gale looks like in the next season in the first episode, but it is. If I didn't know the man wore a piece up until this point, which it looks really good. I mean, I think it, he was, it like I didn't realize Max Gale was bald, but oh. boy. The first episode of the seventh season, your your ability to suspend disbelief is going to be tested. <laughs> oh boy. Oh yeah. Boy. Yeah. I, look, I mean, we're still not in the 80s yet. Like, you know, we're at 80 right now. The next season's 81. So it it never gets all the way into where, you know, they're showing up in, you know, with the big, with like nothing garish. We're never going to get to that point because that's like mid 80s. <laughs> So, it's that it's that scene from Naked Gun where we see Nordberg try to come through the door with that huge afro. <laughs> yeah, for no reason other than so they could put it in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, fucking uh, George Kennedy with like the big collar and everything. Yeah. that's right, my man. And they're doing the handshakes. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like it's like that. Like we we're never. I don't think the show's ever going to get to that. I'm sure the only character that will get close is Harris because he's the character with a sense of style, but. I agree with you. I don't think that the show's going to, quote, go downhill from here. I know Otto Bruno in his book talks about the seventh season being kind of not his favorite season, but the sixth season might be my favorite season of the show. Yeah, so far, I totally agree. Unless they somehow kick it into a higher gear, I think we might be at the, the peak, my friend. And I don't know if my favorite episode of the show is in this season, but I think in terms of like, a body of 22 episodes. So what is that? Like four hours, five hours of TV. Mm-hmm. Um, a pretty solid, if you were to just sit and watch it start to finish, a pretty solid season of sitcom TV with a slight through line. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm curious where we're going to go when we come back next month and talk about the first three, maybe four episodes. I'm going to have to see because the, we start off again with a two-parter, so we're going to have to see how that goes. But next season, again, all known pit like all the time, except for one episode, the 14th episode called Rachel, which is directed by Homer Powell, who I don't think has been part of this mix at all. That that, that name does not sound familiar to me. Me either. And then, yeah, our writers are going to stay pretty consistent. It's a lot of Sheehan, a lot of Stein, a lot of Dungan. And, you know, the occasional other folks that come in here and and do some things, but it's mostly them. And I'm really looking forward to see where they take us. Agreed. And you know what? I'll say my favorite episode of this season, it's a tie between uh, uniform days because of the interactions between Harris and Barney and 
shockingly, for as much issue as I had with the first episode of the season, I did like the first episode of the season a lot. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's handling of the of the homosexual angle still does irk me just a little bit, but irking me just a little bit is better than having an entire episode titled rape. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which irked me a lot <laughs> and should yeah. irk anyone a lot. So, yeah, we didn't have as many episodes this time where we're like, oh, this didn't play well. Right. Right. Yeah. Wojciechowicz wasn't calling a uh, sex workers any sort of derogatory names for what's shocking. Yeah. Glad for that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. No, this was a good. This was. This was so far the the best season of the show. The show has been just increasing in quality to this point. So yeah, I will be curious to see you know next season where it takes us. But this has been overall best season of the show so far for me at least. So Chris, when you are not talking about Barney Miller, who are you talking about? And other cop shows and cop adjacent things. Columbo, we talked about Kolchak, you, I, and Father Malone of Noise Junkies and other Weirding Way Media podcasts do it. The three of us do a show called Midnight Viewing, which is all about anthology TV, mostly focusing on horror stuff. And uh, yeah, I do a weekly movie podcast as well called The Culture Cast. You can find all that at weirdingwaymedia.com. What about you, Mike White? So yeah, also talking a lot about TV cops, uh, including like you said, Columbo, and uh, also do a weekly movie podcast called The Projection Booth, which is available also at weirdingwaymedia.com. So basically I'm saying go to weirdingwaymedia.com. That seems to be the thing that you're going to want to do. We don't offer tote bags or anything. Maybe we will one of these days, but I'm, I'm saying that because I feel like I'm an NPR person who's just begging for money right now, but no, we're not. We're just telling you to go there and have a good time because why not? In this day and age, you definitely need a good time. Every donation brings us closer to fulfilling our goal. We have a challenge goal this hour. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to learn more? Donate now and you too can get yourself a free PBS branded tote bag. Woo. 